Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Doing well? Oh, man, that was so good. I was thinking to myself, if you can't preach after that, you might as well quit. So uh, that was good stuff this morning. Thank you, worship team. Fantastic job. Uh, I really, really appreciated that. I needed that this morning. Uh, I'm running on fumes, but I'm here and uh, I'm going to give it all I got today. And uh, I look forward to sharing with you here in just a few moments. I uh, want to um, um, uh, thank uh, a couple of people for helping us move. Uh, uh, Carrie, thanks for helping pick up some stuff and move into our house, and uh, Chris Morton as well, and had some other people and all that kind of stuff, but I really do appreciate that, And um, but we're in Nehemiah, we're going to be in chapter 2, we're going to finish up chapter 2 uh, here in just a few moments, we're going to look at verses 11 through 20, and then we're going to talk about chapter 3, but I'm not going to read chapter 3, I'm going to let you read chapter 3. It's a very important chapter. There's a lot of names in that chapter. That's one of the reasons I'm not going to read uh, chapter 3, because that would be absolutely brutal, not only for myself, but it'd be brutal for you listening as well, and those that are online. And again, if you're joining us online, thank you for being here this morning. It's an honor and privilege to have you with us. One of the things that everybody can do, also you guys who are sitting here this morning, is if you go to our social media page, go to Facebook, and one of the things you can always help us do week in, week out, is share the sermon, share the service. Uh, it helps us reach more people. It helps us connect with more people. You're connected to people that we're not connected to. So whenever you share that, it helps us spread the word. It helps us extend an invitation, and you can be a digital missionary uh, by doing that, okay, uh, each and every week, even if it's not a great sermon, share it anyway, all right, go ahead this morning, and, um, but let me ask you this question, how many of you ever rebuild something, ever had like a remodeling job or anything like that, anybody had that, okay, several people, now, like, it's always exciting when you're about to rebuild something, like, when you go look at it, like, I'm a visionary person, whenever I walk into a room, I see everything that it could be, right? I see all the things that it could be. Now, my wife is wired differently than I am. If she and I go into a space, I'm thinking, oh, we can do this and that. And it's real exciting. To her, it's very overwhelming, right? She sees what it is and doesn't see past that. However, though, she sees all the things that it's going to take in order to do those things. When I think like, you know, man, we can just do this and man, it's going to be done. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. We'll have a great time doing it. We'll bond as a family, right? All this kind of stuff. And it never works works out that way. Now, listen, we know that because like we all love to watch, how many of you love to watch HGTV? All right. HGTV, like they go into these projects. Now, you know, it's like 30 minutes long and it's done, right? You know, they go in, they start, you see the beginning and the end, it's like 30 minutes. And it's like, we can do that. No problem. If it's a major project, it's an hour program, right? So like, you know, we, we can get it done though in that time frame. But no matter what you do, whenever you encounter or when you begin to engage in a real rebuilding project, right, you always encounter obstacles. You always encounter opposition that what you thought was you were going to be able to do. Sometimes you find out that there are, there are factors that you did not know about, that you were unaware about, that now you're going to have to do something different. And a lot of times it creates a lot of chaos for people. It, it, it creates a lot of stress. It creates frustration because what you thought it was going to be like and what it actually is 
are two different things. And I think it's important to remember as we're talking about, here's Nehemiah, this man of God, who is an ordinary man, by the way. There's nothing special about Nehemiah other than I think his greatest ability is that he's available, all right? Availability is always the greatest ability. If Lord, here I am. Lord put a burden on his heart. Lord called him to do something that was great, that was bigger than himself, and it was gonna have to be dependent upon the Lord. But you need to remember, like, he's just an ordinary Joe, right? He's just an ordinary guy. He's, he's not anything any more special than you and I are. And the truth of the matter is, is that we've all been called, that God's placed things within our life, God's gifted us, and God's called us to be a part. And the greatest thing that we could do is say, Lord, here I am, send me. And that's what Nehemiah begins to do. But we need to know that whenever we begin to engage in that, there's always going to be things that encounter that we encountered that we didn't anticipate or that we didn't expect. But I believe that as we're running this race that God's called us to, that we've got to continue to have endurance. We've got to continue to hold on to faith and we've got to continue to trust and we've got to continue to persevere and we've got to continue to move forward when it seems like everything is coming against us. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit more. But a lot of times for people, right, when we talk about faith, when we talk about walking with Jesus, when we begin to walk with Jesus, when we surrender our life with Jesus, sometimes we have this expectation from this point forward, we're not going to encounter any difficulty. That's not so. And so listen, we've got to continue to press and we've got to continue to trust and we've got to continue to move forward. And so I want you to understand that whenever you do something for the Lord, right? When God says, rise up and build, I want you to know that all the gates of hell are going to say, let's rise up and tear down. And so it's important that we understand that. And Nehemiah uh, has, has been in a position to where, again, he's been given a burden. God placed this on his heart. He hears of the devastation, destruction, right? He's overwhelmed. He wept for, and he prayed and he fasted for four months. He planned and prepared. When God gave him an opportunity, he shared that. He stated what exactly was needed, how long he was going to need to be gone. The king gave him permission, provision, protection, everything that he needed, right? And now Nehemiah is in the next phase. And this is what I want you to see here in chapter 2, verses 11. There's some principles that we're going to take from this that we can apply to our own personal life. Because the truth of the matter is, is as we see the picture of Jerusalem laying in ruins, laying in devastation, the walls being torn down, the gates being burned, right? We know that lives of people are struggling, right? Families are struggling. We see families that are in devastation. We see people who are hurting and broken and who desperately need the hope of God. And we see that their lives are in ruins and God's called us to rise up and build. You as an individual, us as a church, right? There's some principles that we need to apply to begin to take place and to begin to move forward in to where that God wants to see things restored, things rebuilt, things renewed, lives renewed. And so we're all called to be a part of that. And so I want to ask you the question this morning, are you available to be a part of that? Are you willing to be a part of that? Are you one that says, yes, Lord, here am I, like Isaiah said in Isaiah 6. Here am I, Lord, send me, not somebody else or anything, but Lord, how do you want to use me? Because again, we talked about how prayer and planning helps us discern what our part is 
in God's purpose. And God has a purpose for all of us. And so it's important that we find out where we fit in, how we can engage, and then move forward. If you're with me, say, I am. So here's what Nehemiah begins to do. Let's look here in verse 11 of chapter 2. And as we continue to read the story about this task of rebuilding Jerusalem. And so he says this, so I arrived in Jerusalem. Now I want you to underline that word arrived, okay? And here's why I want you to underline that word. Because Nehemiah does something very, very important at this point in this juncture, in this journey, in this calling that God's placed upon his life, right? He's prayed and he's planned and he does something very, very important. He acts. He engages. He begins to move in that direction. You see, for a lot of people, we pray about it, we plan about it, we talk about it, but we never take action. It could be like, you know, in your marital relationship, you say, hey, listen, I know that there's things that we need to work on. I know that there's things that we need to talk about. I know there's some hangups that we have within our family, and we need to address these things, but you never take action. And when you never take action, you know what happens? The same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Or somebody, like I said, like me, who intends to do a lot of things. I'm going to intend to do this. I'm planning to do that. Maybe it's something out in the yard. Maybe it's something physically. Maybe it's something, uh, you know, just within uh, my own sphere, right? But I'm planning to do something. I intend to do this. I intend to move that. And all of a sudden you realize good intentions never produce any results. So Nehemiah puts forward a very important principle. When God calls us, when God, when God uh, compels us to be a part of what's happening, to be a part of what's going on, to be a part of what's taking place, to engage in rebuilding, right? When he calls us to do that, then we have the next step is we have to act. We've got to move forward. We've got to put a foot forward. It's like if I know that I need to give my life to Christ and maybe you've been coming and you've been listening week after week and God's been grabbing a hold of your heart. The Holy Spirit has been working and compelling you to come to surrender your life. And a lot of times I talk to people and they say, I know that I need to do that. I know that I need to do that. But we need to act upon that, right? We need to act. It's one thing to know that we need to do this, but it's another thing to act upon it. So Nehemiah acts upon this calling that God places on his life. How do we know that he acts? Because he arrives in Jerusalem. He leaves where he's at and he begins that journey to Jerusalem. So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later, right? He doesn't waste any time. He's getting things packed. He's getting things together. And then he moves on. So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. I slipped out during the night taking only a few others with me. Now, I'd not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us, except the donkey I was riding. And after dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate, and then I went to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So though it was still dark, I went up the Kindred Valley 
Instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. Now, here's one of the things that you can apply and you can begin to write down. Not only did he act, but he went out and he seen it for himself. He surveyed the area. God's called us, right? He's placed us here. Here's the principle that I want us to see. He's placed us here. Number one, we're together as Milestone Church. God's brought us together locally. God's brought us together in this body of believers. We come, we worship, we celebrate, we sing, we praise God, we thank God, we pray for one another, we encourage one another, we walk with one another, we serve with one another. God's called us here locally, but he's not just called us to be a part of these walls, inside these walls. He's called us out into the city gates, into the hedges and the highways, and, and, and God wants us to go out into the community. And, and listen, I want to commend you uh, because I believe our church has a heart to do that. Uh, one of the things that uh, I was shared with this this past week, we've been talking about loads of love that we've been participating in. It's something we do every month where we give uh, detergent, fabric softener, and coins just simply to help people wash their clothes. And we fold and we have conversations. And this past week, we had the largest turnout that we had ever had. I mean, it's been shared, it's been spread, and we got to love on many, many people. There's other things that we're doing throughout the week, day in and day out, loving on people, engaging people. But God's called all of us to do that. There's people around that you're connected with that I'll never know, that I will never see. But we're always to be looking and observing and asking, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to plug in at? Where are you working at? Help me to see what you're doing. See the facts for yourself. When you see somebody that's hurting and broken, that's your call to invest in them. But you have a dilemma, like it's going to take my time. I don't know if I want to get all in that, right? That's pretty deep and everything. And I don't know, they might call me two or three times, and all this kind of stuff. And listen, there's always a risk. But listen, people are worth the risk because Jesus gave everything for you and I so that people like us who were far from God, could be forgiven and filled with life in Christ. And so see the facts. See the surroundings. Be open to what God is doing. Whenever an opportunity occurs, when you hear of someone who has a need, right? Think about that opportunity that God's given you. This is what Nehemiah is doing. He's going and seeing the ruins for himself. He wants to see it firsthand. He wants to understand what the needs are so that he can address them, so that he can begin to move forward. And it's the same principle as we deal with ministering to people and encouraging people and helping people along the way. Now, as we look at this, we see that he goes out and he, he's kind of going through the rubble, going through the debris. But he said this in verse 16. He said, now the city's officials did not know I had been out there. He's talking about the city officials of Jerusalem or what I was doing for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. And I think there's a principle within that as well. Sometimes, right, we're real quick and when God's put something on our heart that we haven't, right, really solidified yet and we don't know. And listen, it's okay to have uh, people who speak into your life and you know, and I always have a few people that I talk to and share with and that allow to speak into my life and to pour into me and help me and help me discern and help me think through some things. But sometimes, right, the, we have a tendency to tell everybody everything. 
And we get all kinds of different opinions about what we should do and how we should do it. And you're going about it the wrong way. And the other person says, well, you're going about it the right way. And I believe Nehemiah's showing some great principles in leadership right here is, again, he's been spending time with God. He's heard from God. He has a plan from God. And he's being very diligent about that, right? He's going and seeing for himself. He wants to see firsthand so that he can share exactly what needs to be done. And then here's the key. If you guys are still with me, say, I am. He does something very strategic right here. And it's important that you do this as well in your life. Because God's created us for community. God's created every one of us for community, right? We've said this many a times. You've heard me say this. God did not create any Lone Rangers. He didn't design Lone Rangers. Sometimes we have this thought in our head that we don't need anybody, that we can handle it, that we can move forward on our own. But the truth of the matter is, is we need each other. And it's important that whenever God's given you something, right, you're going to need people to come alongside of you to help accomplish that. You're going to need people who are wired differently than you, gifted differently than you. Right. Sometimes we think I can handle this and I can do this and I'm going to do this on my own and I'm going to prove this that I have what it takes. I just want to help you this morning. I want to tell each and every one of us, including myself, none of us have what it takes. When you try to carry burdens that you were never meant to bear, you don't have what it takes. It'll crush you every single time. Some may endure longer than others, but at some point in time, it'll crush you. But even if you're there, some of you may be getting crushed right now. I want you to know that God brings healing through crushing because it brings you to a point and to a place to where that you understand, I can't do this. And you know, God says, that's exactly where I want you to be. I've had to learn this the hard way in my own life. When God called us to plant this church, I set out to do a lot of things on my own. I had a lot of people tell me a lot of different things. I had a lot of people say a lot of different things. I had people to say discouraging things that sometimes I would take to heart. And, and, and really at moments and times when I look back, I had wrong motives in the sense of that I was setting out to prove other people wrong. God called me to that, right? God called me to plant this church. I know that, but sometimes I got distracted along the way and I got on the wrong path along the way. And I'd try to do this, and I'd try to do that, and I'd try to make this happen, I'd try to make that happen. I thought if I could just get this person, if I could just get that person, right? And God had to break me to the point to where that one day I came into my office, and my wife was working at home at this time, and I'm not a big crier or anything like that, but I just went into the office, and I sat down, and I just began to weep. I was so overwhelmed. It was drained felt empty. And the reason that I felt that way is because I was working in my own strength and my own power. And some of you have heard this before, but I remember this prayer that I prayed. And this is what I prayed, weeping. My wife comes over, it's like, what is wrong? I just, I, I didn't, couldn't say anything. Just weeping. And I was able to utter these words, Lord, Either you're going to have to do something or we're going to fall flat on our face. But this was the kicker for me. This is where God had to get me to. 
because I knew that God was calling me to do this. But I said, either way, I'm okay. And I'm going to go because I know this is where you're leading. And like I had to get there to where that I had to depend upon the Lord. Lord, you're going to do this. And I don't want to sound like a preacher telling you a story that's cliche I don't even know if that's a word or not, but anyway. But it's like literally the next day and the day after and the day after and the weeks to come, God just began to put things in place. You want to talk about being encouraged and being strengthened and being filled and being rebuilt and being rejuvenated and restored. It's like, man, I could just, God, you're just so good. And God's continued to do that over and over and over and over again. We have to learn to trust the Lord, to allow him to work in our hearts and our lives, to know that he is the giver of all things. There are no self-made people. God gives you the ability to breathe. God gives you the ability to make wealth. God gives you the ability to do everything that you and I do. And we are to give him glory in all things. Amen. But Nehemiah does something else. He invites others to join him. He invites others to join him. And he says this. I kind of read this and I think about like, you know, those moments like in movies of like Gladiator, Braveheart, you know, it's like when that scene gets real big and they're coming in close on that shot and man, they're just giving it all they have and they're talking to the people and man, they're rallying the troops and everything. And listen to what Nehemiah says. He says, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. And then he says, I love what the King James says in this. It says, but let us arise and build, right? In the New Living Translation that I'm reading right here, it says, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And in this disgrace, because it was the disgraceful state that the people of Jerusalem were in, they had settled in and they had normalized the ruins and the devastation that they were living in. And he said, this is not where we should be. This is not what God's called us to do. Our God is great. Our God is mighty. And then, you know, you can kind of imagine he's telling them this thing. And maybe some of the people were looking at him thinking like, man, I'm not real sure about this. And then Nehemiah goes on to say in the next verse, and he says, then I told them about the good hand of God that was upon me. And I told them about how the king provided. And I told them how God had worked and moved and that he was in this situation and he was in this circumstance at that moment and that time, right? He may have looked at others as he's inviting them and maybe some people were kind of checking out or maybe wandering to the right or to the left and didn't know if they was really in with him. And then he reminds them of the good hand of God. He held on to his faith. And sometimes, listen, in the process of building, whether it be your family with your children and in your own spiritual life, walking with Jesus, holding on to Jesus, you need to be reminded of your faith. You need to hold on to your faith. You need to be reminded of God's past faithfulness. 
What encourages me day in and day out whenever I feel discouraged, whenever I feel like that I can't move forward, whenever I face things that I didn't expect and anticipate to encounter, when I'm spiritually attacked and I feel overwhelmed and I go to the prayer closet and I meet with the Father, I'm reminded of the good hand of the Lord. And I'm reminded of how He continues to provide. And I'm reminded that the God of Isaac at the God of Jacob is the God of Robert. Amen? And he's the God of you. He has not changed. And we need to be reminded of God's past faithfulness. When we're reminded of that, right, it gives us the strength, it gives us the encourages, encouragement, and we remember that if he did it then, he will do it now. I'm going to continue to press through, and I'm going to continue to trust him. Now, here's the deal. Here's the kicker. Here's the meat. So look at your neighbor and say, here we go. Let's get with it. Nehemiah's doing everything that God called him to do. He's doing everything that God has asked him to do at this point. He's prayed. He's sought the Lord. He's planned. He's fasted. He's done all those things. He's acted, right? He's inviting others to come be a part of this. You would think at this point, remember, we're just about to roll forward. But you know what happens next? Again, when God says, rise up and build, what's the enemy going to say? Let's tear it down. Let's stop it. The enemy always has a counterfeit. The enemy always has opposition. This is what I want you to understand right here. Let's look here and let's read the scriptures. So everybody, after Nehemiah shared them about the good hand of the Lord, everybody said, let's rise and build. Let's rebuild the wall. And so they began the good work. But... When Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. And they said, what are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? They asked. In other words, it's like, what gives you the right? Who do, who, who do you think that you are? You think everybody would be excited. Man, we're going to rebuild the wall. We're going to restore this city. I mean, it's been lying in ruins. Everybody's excited. Let's rebuild. And then here comes three people that says, what in the world do you think that you're doing? Who do you think that you are? Who gave you the right? Are you rebelling against the king? I mean, you must be out of your mind. I mean, it comes out of left field in the middle of nowhere. Nowhere. They're building the wall. They're doing what God's asked them to do, and they face opposition. Listen, when we're walking with Jesus, you should always expect opposition. You should always expect oppression. Here's what the Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against principalities, against spiritual wickedness, right? The forces of dark nature, right? We're in a spiritual battle and they're taking place in heavenly realms. Sometimes we forget about the battle that's transpiring. The scripture says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. Understand that you are in battle and God's called you to a battleground. He's not called you to a spiritual playground. He's called you to engage you in battle. And what's at stake is eternity, the lives of people that we love, the lives of people that we care about. And we need to be engaging in that warfare. 
a lot of times when we encounter it, we want to go to the bench. We want to go to the course. So that's it. I can't do that. I can't, can't handle that. I can't deal with that. When God's called you, press through. When you know that it is the Lord, right? Nehemiah spent four months. He's discerning. Is this of you? It wasn't like Nehemiah's like, hey, I'm just going to go take on that project. I could rebuild that wall. Not like that. God put a burden on his heart and he's wrestling with that burden and he's praying to the God of heaven and God gives him clarity that this is what you're supposed to do. And so he acts upon it and he does it. He puts his neck out in front of the king and says, king, this is what I need. And God provides over and over again. He has confirmation this is of the Lord. And so when he faces opposition, he doesn't say, you know what, I'm done. I'm going back to Susa. Going back to the retreat palace doesn't do that. Understand that you're always going to face opposition. Here's what I want you to see. Here's a verse you can go look at. Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Um, I had it marked just to say, there it is. Verse 3, listen to what James says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, read that. Let that marinate in your heart and in your spirit. When troubles come your way, not if troubles, not they may come, but when troubles, because listen, trouble will come. When it does, consider it joy. That's the call that God's placed upon our life. Consider it joy. An opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, here's what happens. Your endurance has a chance to grow. Your faith has an opportunity to grow. Consider it joy. Don't get discouraged when opposition occurs. When you start following Jesus and when you start having a heart to serve Jesus, again, the gates of hell will attack. And the enemy will do anything and everything to discourage you from continuing to pursue what God has called you to do. Last thing right here. Here's the beautiful thing. This is where it takes place in chapter 3. And again, go home and read chapter 3. Because this is the chapter where it lists after Nehemiah shares, this is the opportunity we have. And even though that they faced opposition, Nehemiah tells them that the good hand of the Lord is upon him and they'll have no part in rebuilding this wall, the city that God has declared his people. They'll have no part in that and we're going to continue to move forward. And then chapter three describes the people finding their place. And if you're taking notes, everybody found their place. And they begin to work. You go read, it says some people worked on this side. This family worked over here. They were good at this and they began to work over here. These people worked over here and they did this with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, all their strength. Go read chapter three. But everybody found their place. 
And here's what I'm telling you this morning. God's not brought you here to be a part of this community for us just to take up space. And listen, I want you here on Sunday mornings. Hear my heart this morning. But God's gifted you. God's called you. And you have ability to reach people and to lift up the banner of Jesus. And God's called you to find a place on the wall so that he can rebuild and restore the city, the lives that are in ruins, so that people far from God can be filled with life in Christ. And when everybody does their part, it's a beautiful thing. When everybody does their part, a few are not tired. When everybody finds their place, all the gifts are being utilized and are needed and necessary. And we get to see God's hand in it. Let me ask you this as I'm closing. How many of you have ever seen like Canadian geese fly in formation? You seen them fly in formation? Have you ever seen like where one side's a little bit longer than the other? Do you know why that's so? There's more geese in that line right there. But anyway, <laughs> it's a dumb joke. Anyway, but I do have a point to sharing this this morning. But when you see the geese fly, fly in V formation, do you know that when they fly in that formation, they can fly 70% further and faster than they could on their own. And what happens when one geese is taking the lead, it'll fly and fly and all the other geese are drifting behind that. They don't have to flap as hard. They don't have to work as hard. And then that leader gets tired and the bird in the back comes to the front and they change parts. And then the one who was leading the way for a time can kind of coast and drift. And everybody does their part. What if, what if, what if everybody that's here this morning, everybody that's listening online or may watch this at some point in some time, what if everybody began to do their part? What could be done? Well, one of the things that we read about in Nehemiah, they do something incredible. They rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. incredible but more importantly than that the reason that they were able to do that and the one thing that Nehemiah reminded the people about over and over again and I want to remind you about this as you're building your life as you're building your marriage your family as you're building businesses as you're building relationships within the community with other people I want you to know this and I want you to remember that the good hand of the Lord is upon and he wants to work in your life. And he wants to use your gifts, your abilities for his glory. And when you relinquish that and you give it to him, God does only things that he can do. And he gets the credit, he gets the glory, he gets the honor. So let's go to work. Let's rise and build. And let's see what God does in this city, in this time that we have together. Amen? Father, we come.